I need you to listen to this for me. Like we're friends, and and I feel like this could really help you if you listen to this podcast episode. She read some Harry Potter fan fiction, and that's not that's not clean stuff. I know what goes on on those websites. Like they'll give somebody like a three piece suit and a pocket watch or something, and you're like, what do you mean? This is his new look. How could that be his new look? You know, someone turns a corner to their cat, and the cat says, "Well, ha!" Like a southern gentleman, and I love that. Hello, and welcome to People You May Know. This week, I have my cousin Courtney on. Yeah, I'm having lots of family lately. I think first was my mom, and now is Courtney. Right? That's all we've done so far. Well, I'm there. Will be more. All right, because people you may know includes people that you definitely do know because you're related by blood. So it's a perfect fit for the show. And I had a great time talking to Courtney. It felt so natural, but it was so funny. By the end, I was like remembering that we haven't spoken in years because we're just... I I was going to say we're not a family that gets together that often, which is true, especially now that people have moved far away. But it's also just like I never went to stuff when we did have it because because a lot of reasons. My anxiety, for one, anxiety with driving and social situations, fear of judgment, that kind of social perfectionism. You know, I have to be behave perfectly or whatever when I'm around people. I think it was a lot of that, but probably also just like, I don't know. I have a lot of, I have a lot of weird anxieties that I think like I'm afraid of dying. And at times that has come out, like if I do anything except nothing, I'm wasting the precious time that I have here on earth, you know? So We hadn't spoken in years. And what's funny is that because Courtney is like eight years younger than me, I I have realized that I will perpetually think of her as like a child. (laughs) It's hard for me to adjust to seeing her as older. And then it makes me really understand my other relatives who are like, you're always a baby to me. And that, that kind of stuff because it's not even like you mean to do that to someone to put them in a perpetual state of childhood. It's just that that's, that's what your brain sees. That's what you've known them as for so long. And it's like switching just doesn't work because they get older, but you're getting older too. So there's still this baby to you. They're still so far away. So we talked a lot about dating on this episode and I did write a book about dating recently, online dating specifically. My book is called Textual Chemistry, A Guide to Finding Love Online. I think that's completely correct. (laughs) I know textual chemistry is cheesy. It is... It is from the Diablo Cody movie, Young Adult, which is one of the best movies ever in the world. They use that statement, that that phrase, textual chemistry, and and it's definitely in, like, kind of supposed to be a cheesy 
like, you know, she's writing a like middle school kind of young adult novel. So you're not necessarily supposed to be blown away by the term, but I don't know. I like it and felt appropriate for what I'm doing. I have a lot of passion about, about a lot of things and dating is one of them. I really want people to find love and I want people to feel confident that they are going to be able to find that perfect person. Cause really I was told so many times that that perfect person doesn't exist. And I always thought, well, then what do I want love for? <laughs> like, I was like, if it's not like a romantic comedy, then why would I even want it? So I'm just going to hold out for something that feels as good as I think it should. And then, you know, if I never get it, then whatever, I'll be alone forever, but it's better than, than ending up with someone less than perfect. That's how I always felt. And, you know, a lot of my friends thought I was crazy, but, but no, I, I've found that I was right. You have to keep looking for that perfect thing and you will find it. And I think, I think it the same way, like it works for finding a career finding the perfect job. People always say like, no job is perfect. Everyone dreads going in. Everyone's got a case of the freaking Garfields, case of the freaking Mondays, just dreading that work week starting up. But I don't think that's true. I think we just need to look for the right fit for us. So don't let people tell you to settle. Don't let cynical people who haven't found their thing tell you that it doesn't exist. All right. Be optimistic. Always, always. Me and Sean came up with a, a new version of optimism recently. It's not even glass half full. It's like, hey, this glass is halfway full. Fantastic. I only wanted half a glass of water anyway. So it is completely 100% full for me. That's how much of an optimist I am. And I would encourage you all to do the same. At least, at least fake it. Try it out. I think, I think you can find love out there. And you know what? If anybody ever wants freelance dating advice, please ask me stuff. I would be happy to help you in any way that I can. I will have to get super personal with you so that I know you well enough to give you advice specifically. But I would love nothing more than to do that. So, you know, reach out if you want. So I hope you get some good information here and you have fun listening to us chat. Welcome to the show. All right, so we are going to get started with a first date, would you rather? Okay. <laughs> So on a first date, would you rather go to a concert or go to a restaurant? Ooh, that's really tough. There's a lot of intimacy when it comes to a restaurant setting, but mm -hmm. I also think it's very telling knowing how people will react in an environment like a concert. So I feel like I'd have to pick the concert depending on the music too. Like what artists are we seeing? Like, is there more of like, 
I don't know, an alt J vibe or am I going to be moshing or how is this going to be like, where are our tickets? You know, I don't like to get into like the, the details, but I don't know. I think that's, that's a good environment to really like judge if somebody's going to work with your vibe. That's very true. And I like the idea that you can judge the person's planning ability too if they figured it out and whether they were like considerate, like if they did pick something that you might both like, or if they just went, well, this is something I like. I don't really care if you like it. Um, my friend uh, went on, I think it was a first date with his girlfriend. They've now been together like five years, so they're fine. But like their first date was to a soccer game. And yeah. he doesn't like soccer. And it turns out she doesn't like soccer. But it was like, he just thought, this is an event. I guess we would go to an event. I feel like that's sometimes when it's very telling of like, okay, am I really going to vibe with this person? Sometimes I feel like there's so much pressure to like ignore these like awkward silences that they happen at restaurants. And it's like, no, if you go to the zoo or watch a soccer game, like why not? Why not it be an event? Mm -hmm. I try and do dates that are non-restaurant related actually. Really? So, okay, let's take a break from this real quick so you can tell me what are some first dates you've been on? Um, So one has been to museums. I feel like a museum is a very good way to interact with somebody on a different level. Um, I've gone to the park a lot, the park or like a hike in particular, because I like nature. So I'd like somebody who also likes nature. Um, and I, I think it's like an awesome way to like evaluate a setting or like, Hey, there's some birds over there, or I don't know. Um, the zoo, the zoo has been a good one. for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just think like when you have items to talk about, whether they're like obscure or, you know, not so obscure or about the setting around you, it kind of makes it like less like a date. And so I'm like a dater who likes to go on non dates, I guess. Yeah, that's interesting because you are like kind of taking the pressure off of both of you a little bit because you know that you can comment on something going on around you. Like if you're at the zoo, some monkey is going to be touching itself or something. You guys will have a laugh about that. (laughs) And then you get to see how the person responds to like, if there's a really cute red panda situation or something, are they going to be like, oh my God, cute? Or are they like, yeah, whatever. You know, it does kind of, you're learning a lot. Like maybe you'd never go to a soccer game and that's where you totally had a great conversation with somebody about the situations that were happening. So I very that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, very true. And maybe you guys bond over being like, should we get the hell out of here? And that's nice too. (laughs) Okay. On a first date, would you rather drink or be sober? Ooh, I think I would rather drink. uh, (laughs) um, That's not a hard thing. You've pretended to consider it. Ooh, that's tough, but not good. (laughs) I'm going to need to take a minute. Hold on. Yeah. Hmm. You know, the daintiness in me as a woman. 
so so I can dazzle them with my personality. (laughs) Part of my dazzling personality is sometimes a drink in me. I don't know. Like, (laughs) oh my god, yes, I. I never drink like I don't think I've had a drink since I was 24 or something. Mm -hmm. But when I do drink, I swear my personality is better than ever. People are always like, Oh my god, you're so funny. I'm like, I know. And this is the best version of it. (laughs) Normally, I'm not at this level. (laughs) I think like it's it's one of another thing where I just want less pressure to be added to a situation. And I think like it's a black wine or maybe a beer or grabbing a beer at a brewery, like, you know, helps with that, then so be it. I think that's kind of my mentality is like, I also want somebody who like enjoys a drink as well. And maybe that's something I find out and a partner is like, oh, okay, are you willing to like go to a brewery and taste some beers or something? So yeah, that's true. If you know it's an interest of yours, you probably do also want to make sure that they don't have to go like overboard. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever watched The Bachelor, but there's always, or The Bachelorette, but the first episode, there's always someone who gets way too drunk where you go, oh, this is a little bit of a red flag. <laughs> like, maybe good to learn this now instead of later. <laughs> maybe there's some people on there who would probably benefit from having a drink so they don't feel so like pressured to be like, okay, is it my turn? Am I going to go approach him? Okay, maybe not. You know, (laughs) very true. So when you are thinking about uh, reducing the pressure on a first date, are you thinking more for yourself or more for the other person? I think for both parties, honestly, because I think there's like this pent up expectation to be like having this cordial date and have it have this pressure to be successful when it's like, no, let's just chill and get to know each other. I mean, I feel like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, I would rather not stress about a date and, you know, focus on like, okay, what am I going to wear? How am I going to do my hair? And rather just go into it and be like, yeah, let's hang out and get to know each other at the zoo, at a soccer game. Who knows? Like we could could not, we could be like, Hey, this is a good friend vibe I'm getting here. Let's just be friends. So yeah which is an awesome outcome anyway yeah yeah I feel like that's the best way to approach anyone you're like first starting to get to know is really think of it as like a friend thing because if you don't you go into flirting and they go into flirting and often that's just not sincere you start like faking who you are a little bit trying too hard and uh usually not really getting a good sense of who the person is yeah, and that's why I really think too, like um, dating early is very helpful because I think there's a lot, especially today in the online world and during a pandemic and everything, there's a lot of like talk, 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 talk. Okay, where is this leading? At least that's been my kind mm-hmm. of experience of like, okay, let's let's go. Let's let's see if this is a good vibe in person. And it's like, no, they're just wanting to keep it there at what it is so I yeah it's and just like hopping in there and being like hey let's go to the zoo hey let's grab a beer hey let's do this so yeah and that's <laughs> that makes sense for you because you you seem to be a very active person you seem to be a doer whereas like I'm not like when I was online dating and a guy would be like do you want to meet up I'd be like Ugh, and like run away I was like no <laughs> like I have to like someone 
so much right. to want to meet them. <laughs> I feel that vibe like very much because I feel like it, it takes a certain level of comfort. And I feel like I kind of used to be like that. And then I, I don't know what happened. I just was just like, forget this. I'm just really throwing myself out there and seeing what works and what doesn't. And yeah. Whatever. Then it sounds like you're not that, um, attached to the outcome or anything. You're like casual about it. I try not to get attached to the outcome until it's worth attaching, like, you know, a genuine feeling to it. It sounds like I'm so like away from having feeling at all. In and in a way <laughs> when I say that, I don't mean it like that, but I think, I don't know, like after one, two, three or so, so what, however many dates or whatever, I think like you start to get a vibe. Okay. Like, is this going to be genuine interest and like attachment and seeing this go further? Or is this just something like, Hey, we're hanging out and this is going to be taken a lot slower. So. Yeah. And I think so rarely do things progress enough that they are going to be like a relationship. Like when I was online dating, I would talk to everyone just like endlessly. And, you know, I never was like, mm, not interested. I just would keep talking to people anyway. Mm. But um, I felt like I got along with pretty much everyone I talked to even had like some great conversations, some deep conversations, laughed about things. But it was so rare that I actually like gave a crap, really. Like I didn't feel like a vibe, you know, that's the hardest part, I think that because especially when you don't, you don't necessarily know what you're looking for. So you go, well, in theory, this person seems good. And I mean, we're getting along. So maybe this is something and it's like, it's probably not if you're if you're questioning it all. It's probably not. You know, I used to think that you know, when I tried drugs as a young person, <laughs> there were times where I went, is this drug working? <laughs> and it's like, if you have to ask, no, it's not. <laughs> if it's not. <laughs> I like that segue into no, getting to know a person versus drugs. Here we go. <laughs> right? <laughs> Directly related. <laughs> okay, on a first date, would you rather it be a group date or one-on-one? -on -one? Hmm. I see benefits to both. Um, but I think I would have to go with one-on-one. -on -one. I think there needs to be some more personal interaction before you are in a group setting around maybe their friends or your friends. But I think one-on-one -on -one for sure. I like the, mm -hmm. the, you know, just having that alone time with each other. And it, it's another example of like taking the pressure off a little bit if they're not being watched so much. But also, I mean, sometimes people act like friggin' fools around their friends because they're, you know, they have to behave a certain way mm -hmm. versus when they're just with you. So you might go, I don't like this person at all based well, on how they are with their friends. Exactly. And you already have the pressure of caring about what one person thinks. Oh, right. The pressure of all these people and what they think about you. So yes. I feel like that would be a lot of pressure for me, at least. <laughs> very, very true. Yeah. Actually, my thinking about it, my first date with my current husband, I call him my current husband as though there might be a second one. Oh no, keeping him on his toes, I guess. <laughs> we met up when he was 
performing in a, a band. It was like a concert. And so I met all like multiple roommates and other friends and bandmates. And it somehow wasn't that weird because he was very like just interested in me and only me. And it was kind of like these other people are here, but like whatever. So I think he's a special sort of person where he can be himself around his friends and I don't know in a way that maybe a lot of other people can't, but I still, I don't know how I got myself to be that brave to do, to have the first date. Yeah. Like it was terrifying, but it worked out right. Like, yeah. like I'm thinking, and that's like a, a good part about it is like thinking about the chances you take in certain situations and how like sometimes they work out, sometimes they're meh and sometimes they're like, no, that wasn't worth it. Right. Like that's, it's part of yes. it. <laughs> Because I think I told him like about the concert, I told him initially I wasn't going to go because it was just scary. And then I think it was like a couple hours before because it was like an hour drive too. So I think it was a couple hours before I was like, okay, I am going to go. Like I had to psych myself up for it. (laughs) So I made it work. But then there was another time I met one guy from a dating site right before that um, because I just didn't really... Like I said, I didn't really want to, but then at a certain point I thought, well, maybe it would be fun to just meet people and whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was fine. <laughs> I mean, it was fine, but it was really just like the text conversations for me where I'm like, this is also fine. If you're not really yeah. clicking through text, you're probably not going to really click in person either. Yeah. Um, But also you could go the other way, like me and... Sean, um, my husband, and actually the guy I met before was named Sean too. So I had a lot of Sean's really a lot of luck with Sean's. Um, <laughs> we got along really well through text right away, but then we met in person and sometimes it was like a little awkward mm. and how I dealt with that was just by telling him this is going to be awkward and that's fine because we're just getting to know each other and he's very shy. So I knew like, you're not going to totally be yourself. And it's weird when you're looking at the person because now you're more subconscious. Let's just take a look back at like what you just said right there. Like having a conversation (laughs) like that with somebody you first meet being like, you know, this is going to be awkward. It's going to be a little weird and uncomfortable, but I'm okay with that. Like, mind blown like what a bizarre (laughs) to have a conversation like that yes you I have this uh philosophy about like radical vulnerability I feel like the more you can be vulnerable with people uh the and honest the more they're going to be vulnerable with you and that's the only way to really get to know people when you only have like surface level conversations whether through text or in person, or you don't like confront those awkward things, you're not going to really know for a while if you like them. Yeah. You know, so I just kind of go hard into like childhood trauma or whatever right away. So I'm like, tell me your stuff. Let's go. Lay it all on the table for us to work on other stuff. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) See if we still care. See if we still want to talk after. Okay, on a first date, kiss goodnight or hug or other? (laughs) Oh, I think it all goes back to just the, 
I think I kind of relate it back to like, you know, you were saying Sean, number one, you're texting yeah. in the converse, you know, it's a texting conversation, not anything thrilling, not anything terrible. Right. Um, when you decide to go out with him, maybe you're not kissing Sean number one, right? Because yeah. the vibe just isn't there. You're not, you know, you're not sharing each other's vulnerability. The conversation isn't really leading to anywhere. Um, so I think it's just a gut feeling. Um, it's, I think I can only think of two times maybe that I've kissed on the first date. Um, but other than that, it's pretty much been a hug and it's not ever been because it's, been terrible there have been some terrible dates where I'm just like oh I don't know if I want to eat I just give them a high five that would be really terrible and then wash your hands after (laughs) (laughs) I just think it's very dependent on the situation I don't know yeah yeah I agree I'm like generally in my head I'm like I'm not gonna want to kiss someone on the first date I just don't see that happening but every once in a while it does and it's fine um you know Sean Sean number two did kiss him on the first date (laughs) but yeah the first one no and there was weird stuff with the with Sean number one that he first of all talked about other like sexual exploits that Mm. were like oh just surprising he was kind of nerdy so that is like a big turnoff for me that kind Mm. of stuff and I don't know I was like ew I don't like that and then um the other thing is like he had a terrible stutter Mm. really bad which I could be okay with I tend to like really any sort of vulnerability if you have like a scar on your face or something I'm like ooh, interesting like anything that stands out at all. But at one point, maybe after like an hour or something, he said, you know, I used to have a stutter. Oh. And he's like, every once in a while, someone will comment on it and I'll go, darn, they noticed. Mm -hmm. But like, so it just was this lack of self-awareness. Yeah. That I was like, oh, I... I don't know. It just felt really weird that he didn't know he still had a stutter. And I was like, how do I get close to someone who does? (laughs) (laughs) It was really bad. It was really bad. Oh, man. But, you know, I'm sure he was also nervous, but it's just like, do you truly not? You don't hear it anymore. I don't know. Hey, I don't know. And thinking about, too, like when you're deciding what to do on a first date or like the expectation or pressure of, of what to do. I think it's like, we have to like personally understand a person's level of intimacy. And I think like, I think about that often as like, I may be comfortable with doing this, but he may not be comfortable with doing that. You know what I mean? It's just very true. It's a lot longer for them to be comfortable, but some, sometimes, you know, immediately. And I think that's just like, the risk that you take. It's just like, all right, here you go. I'm coming in. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's a big thing. And I don't think that often comes up on first dates either. So. Mm-hmm. And I guess you have to know what, what your personality lends itself to, because for me, someone like with any level of like, well, that's private or that it's too soon to talk about that. I'm like, I can't, <laughs> I can't with that. I need 
everything. Like we're just not going to work out if you're like that at all. Like my um, ex-boyfriend who I was together with for like almost eight years on our first date, I picked him up. Um, He was standing on the curb. I accidentally ran over the curb, right? I like drove onto it. So he got in the car and he started screaming at me in a joking way. He was like, you idiot, like screaming in my face. And I was like, okay, we're going to get along. This is good. And then we went to Starbucks and we walk in and I told him something about how, you know, I like to get too invested like right away. Like I want to know everything. And he was like, oh yeah, I was molested when I was a kid. He like right away. Mentioned that, and I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> I was like, "That's what I want, exactly." <laughs> but I actually feel like it's pretty rare. I don't know if it's just for me that I get people to tell me their secrets, but I feel like it's pretty rare that people won't share stuff with me. I've, I feel like I've only had like two people that were like, "Whoa, I'm scared to talk" or whatever. Oh yeah, I feel like I'm the same way. I think there's like a level of comfortability where they're like. Here I am spilling all my secrets. I don't know why I just told you this, but I'm telling you. I'm like, hey, I'm here. I'll listen for sure. <laughs> like, great. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to write a book about it, but you, you know, <laughs> taking notes. <laughs> so I want to know about your experience with dating. Are, are you single currently? Yes, I am currently single. Yep. Okay. Okay. So tell me about what you're doing right now in dating. Do you use any apps? Do you just go out and try to meet people? Yeah, well, it's a little difficult, obviously, with COVID going on. So there hasn't really right. been a lot going out and meeting people in public, even though that I feel like that kind of wouldn't be a thing for me. I'm a little more shy and reserved. Like I need somebody to approach me and tell me a funny joke. I'm not one of those people who's like, Hey, I'm over here, you know? Um, really? <laughs> I'm, oh I'm a social butterfly, but I'm also like a social recluse at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> You're both? Oh my I'm God. Both. It's so weird. I don't know. I think, I don't know. I thrive in, in smaller situations. And so if I'm out somewhere, say at like a bar or somewhere out downtown with my friends, it's not my first instinct to just go up to a person and initiate a conversation, maybe with a couple of drinks in me, but even then I'm a little shy and reserved. But for the most part, I'm just, I'm using Hinge and Match. Um, I don't really like Match. I'm not going to lie. I feel like it's a, it's very creepy. <laughs> very really? Yeah. Just like, from a lot older men and it's like, I, you know, appreciate them for shooting their shot, but that's just not <laughs> what I'm interested in. No matter what I put my age range at, it seems that no mid- matter what they right. trickle in, like they trickle in no matter what. Um, so oh, like I could my categories of what I want and, um, you know, outsiders always trickle in and just say, Hey, do you want to do this or just be friends with benefits or, Oh my God. Yeah. So I don't know. And I was, and then, you know, I really thought match was going to be a more promising dating site because you you see the infomercials and the promise of success of love. And, you know, and in a sense, I'm like, okay, is, is that really, is that really what you're advertising here? Is that possible with this because of my experience on there? So 
I'm not a sponsor for Match, I swear. <laughs> no, clearly not. That Match is like, we, this is what we want from you. Courtney, no. <laughs> um, Hinge, I will say I really do like. I think there's more personability on an online dating platform. I, I think it's so easy to just swipe right and swipe left. And I, you know, I have tried those other apps as well, but I think there is an added like personal touch to be like, you know, saying a funny joke about their picture, or I use like a hair, like somebody had a picture at um, Harry Potter world and I use like a Harry Potter pun or something. And I was like, this is really dumb, but maybe this is cute enough to get somebody's attention. Oh yeah. Um, That's so cute. I think there's personability <laughs> in it. Um, I wouldn't say some solid relationships have stemmed from either, unfortunately. Um, and then I also like stick it to only like two or one at a time because it's just a lot to manage for me. I know a lot of friends that I've talked to are like, I'm on this, I'm on that, I'm on that. And I'm like, more power to you. That's I don't know if I can control that many deep level conversations. And I'd rather have a few really solid conversations versus like, Hey, what's up? How are you? Hey, what's up? How are you to all these different people? So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, too many seems, seems difficult to manage. That's interesting. I don't think I used match, uh, but I believe I tried OkCupid, which I think of as like kind of similar. Yeah. And it was also just wrong. There was like, first of all, no one on there, but the people who were, it was all kind of creeps and mm -hmm. I was shocked because I thought that was going to be the one where people were looking for real relationships right. and it just it's wasn't so <laughs> and then even the look and because I've tried OkCupid in the past um and I actually have a really good friend that I met through there um he lives in Colorado now but um Match and OkCupid have that same type of style or look to it where it's like okay this looks more serious like this looks mm -hmm. something that people take more seriously but yet then there's those people who are just like, hey, how's it, go? you know, like just <laughs> and being like, okay, here's my opportunity. Sometimes I respond back to those messages and I say, does this really work? When you send those messages, does this really work? And I, <laughs> like I unmatch them after that, but it's like, I really want to know like if that really reels women in because I really don't know because I always just am turned off by it. <laughs> Yes. You know what I think is like the best thing to do is when someone is like either completely rude or completely gross to try to have an actual conversation with them after like nothing is going to happen, but going like, why did you decide to say that to me instead of something else when you must know it's not going to go well? Like, what are you looking for here? Like, are you nervous like do you not know how to talk in a normal way mechanism, like a defensive mechanism in a way yeah yeah because that's like I don't know some people are so bad at messaging and some people do go straight to the sexual stuff or that kind of thing I felt like that's like fairly rare but I mm -hmm. I had a guy once message me right away about like I want to cover you in Nutella and have you run through the sprinklers or something. And I was like, what, <laughs> what would that, what do you, huh? Why? It was, it was gross and very specific. And I know it sounds like a joke, but it really didn't feel like a joke. <laughs> that's when you should definitely be concerned. <laughs> and that's the thing is, 
is people will say things like that. And I think the response is just kind of like, I'm not really interested in that, but I hope you find what you're looking for. And that's so good. Get at that because that that is very specific. Also, I will say. <laughs> yeah, it's like is this this is your fetish that you created? It's yeah. you're the only one in the world with this fetish, and like that's cool. Oh yeah, I like that idea of responding in a very serious way. That is not quite my cup of tea. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Go on to the next woman. <laughs> happiness <laughs> not really i am scared for whoever is that even safe let's hope she doesn't have a nut allergy this well, isn't going to be like a surprise situation right you're going to let her know and he's probably thinking like <laughs> valerie rejected me on this offer i must have to start out subtle and then work my way up to the nutella you know that's a bigger step that you move on to when you're more established Yes, exactly. (laughs) And that is why I ask so many like deep questions up front, because if anyone is hiding a secret Nutella sex fetish, I want that to come out. I want them to feel safe. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I want you to feel safe telling me if like you've cheated on someone before or you know what I mean? I need, I need these things. Yeah. Can't trust a guy who sounds too good. It's like, hmm. like, let me see all your red flags right now. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay, so then I'm going to ask you for some general like preferences and what you like in a guy. Okay. okay, so do you prefer quiet or chatty? Quiet. I think I like somebody who is more reserved. Um, but kind of methodical in the way that they think and when they speak rather than just chatting just to chat. Um, I think I've noticed a lot of the dates that I go on, um, if the person is extremely chatty, I can't get a word in or like I'm not asked questions. And for me, at least if somebody's quiet, I'm more prone to asking questions and pulling information from them. And it just seems more natural to me. Um, so I think I would have to say a quiet, quiet person. Yeah. Interesting. So then I am wondering if you attract chatty guys is part of that, maybe that you do like to be pursued more than you pursue where you end up with guys who are the types who are more confident. Mm-hmm. So they're pursuing you and they're more likely to be the type that's like, yep, up, 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 up on the yeah. first date. I think, I think you're onto something here. <laughs> You might have to become the pursuer, Courtney. Yeah, you might have I think to I start. do, honestly. I'm yeah. sitting here being the stamsel in distress, and sometimes I just got to go out there and catch my prey. <laughs> yes. So do you ever send a message first, or have you ever, like, asked someone out? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I have. Yeah. And I feel like most of the times that I have asked somebody out is because I'm like, ugh they're not asking me out. What's going on? Like, are they not there yet? Are they not as comfortable? Maybe they need more time to get to know me. So I'm kind of the one who's always jumping the gun because I feel like there's just more validity in just meeting and really getting to know somebody in person. Um, So yeah, Mm -hmm. I feel like I've sent the first, you know, hey, let's hang out um, a good amount of times, but 
Yeah. Okay, good. So you're not just waiting for no, the guy to chill him back here, you know, waiting for somebody to say, hey, let's do this. I think like if I have a good idea, especially of after like talking to somebody, I think like when I went um, to the museum with one of the guys that I went on a date with, um, you know, I knew and understood more of a personality, his personality in a setting that he would like feel comfortable in where I'd like, okay, you know, he wants to go to the museum and he would actually have a fun time there versus like, you know, Brad over here who may want to watch football. Like there's, I think you just develop like knowing people's traits and what they're interested in to know whether you can like suggest that in a way. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's cool. I like that you, you know, you're thinking about each person and what you're going to have to ask them to do. Cause I know a lot of people, kind of repeat the same patterns in relationships and they do the same thing with everyone. I've heard a couple different people say this. I heard one person on a podcast say that he calls every girl he dates the same um, pet name. He calls them like honey bear or something. And I was like, "Uh, I would murder you. (laughs) Are you kidding me? No, not okay. And, And I heard, um, Sarah Silverman say on a podcast that she likes to wrestle with every guy she's starting to date because there's like sexual tension and whatever. And I'm like, that's just bizarre to me to have anything that you go. I do the same thing with everyone. is freaking weird. I think just each person is different. And I think you, you, you can agree with this too. And myself as well as like, every person you date is different in the way that you date them. And I think like you adapt based on your interests, their interests, like things that you're learning stages of your life. You know, I just, I really think like you grow accustomed to finding out like what really is positive for a person or what you think they thrive in. And so it's like, I don't know. I date according to that type of level. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that totally makes sense. And I think like we do that with friends too. It's like, you're not doing the same thing with every friend. It's like, depends on your particular vibe with them. Um, I think it's really cool when you date a lot of people, the way that they can change who you are, they can change your interests. They can help you grow in different ways. They show you things you didn't know about so that when you get in future relationships, it's like that person is almost dating every person you've dated in the past too because you've grown so much you know (laughs) that's so interesting to think about (laughs) i know i'm sure they wouldn't like that like what (laughs) you got what like no you would love dating them you should do it too (laughs) (laughs) okay your type muscles or no i would say no muscles um for me, I feel like I have always been more attracted, like, cause I'm a plus size woman and I acknowledge that and I love my body and I like to take care of it. And I'd also like to be with somebody maybe who's not, who's putting that at the forefront as well, but not super lean into themselves and really focused yeah. on their image. And so for me, I always feel comfortable and more confident around somebody who maybe has a similar body type to me. And that's, just always what I've been attracted to, especially thinking about past ex-boyfriends and whatnot. I think that's kind of 
been more my vibe is I'm a bearded chubby man kind of girl. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Although you did say you have a crush on James Franco. So. Oh, I do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> He's my weakness, but I'm also a big Seth Rogen person. You know what I mean? Like there has to be yeah. a balance of like the comedy and kind of the humility in a way um, that yes. I'm attracted to. I love somebody who's humorous and can make fun of themselves. And I think that's James Franco, Seth Rogen, that type of vibe. So. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I think that's, that's a good way to look at it is that you want someone who has the humility because I do think it is a red flag. Pretty much any guy having muscles, generally a red flag, like unless you maybe we're an alcoholic or something. And now you exercise so much because it's your other escape right. or whatever. Like you have to have a very specific story <laughs> for me to not be like, you're just self-obsessed and you're going to be a bad boyfriend. You're going to want to cheat on me. You're going to think you're better than me. You're going to judge me for my choices. Right. You know, anytime a guy puts in his bio, like I want a girl who goes to the gym, he is talking about what he wants in a body type. He's mm -hmm. not talking about a hobby. If he was talking about a hobby, it would be fine. If you said, I want a girl who works out because you work out and you want someone who shares that hobby. Great. But that is not what he fucking means. No, exactly. <laughs> and I feel like that, that is order, order, like, or already like a swipe left for me. I feel like it's yes. such a red flag, especially like, I don't know. It's just like, I appreciate somebody, like I said, like I, you know, I don't want a lazy couch potato, but I want somebody who wants to go hiking with me. We're not doing like, you know, 14ers in Colorado and, you know, you know, getting out of breath, but I want somebody who like wants to be active with me. And that doesn't necessarily being this ID ideal, like body type in a way. So I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's, and like, you want to be comfortable around somebody and be able to like, I think the humility thing is just a very big thing for me. I want to be able to like, make fun of myself, but like make fun of you and you take digs at me. I don't know. I think there's a comfort level in that, um, that I've had in some of my relationships. And I don't know. I think there's, there's validity in that and just having that comfortable space with somebody and your body. Cause a, your body is a weird thing. Everybody's self-conscious okay. about something and we all have flaws, you know, like I don't like how red my skin is sometimes, but you know, there's only so much I can do to handle that. And I think I need somebody who would be willing to accept that or, you know, other things about my body yeah. that I don't like, you know? Oh my God. Okay. I love this. We can bond over the red skin thing. Do you get people like anytime you're like hot or sweaty, like if you're exercising, people go, Oh my God, you're so hot or you're so red or wow, you're sweating a lot. <laughs> Why do people think that's a good comment? I'm like, yeah, I know. Shut up. Yeah, it makes you feel like you're like not okay. Cause then you're like, Oh, am, am I okay? I don't know. Like I, I know this is what I look like when I sweat. Uh, uh, like, yeah. I'm instantly beat red. I'm sorry. Get over it. My body's efficient at cooling down. Okay. So it like, I start walking and the sweat's like, boom. The fitness studio I work out at, like, I take a towel with me because I'm just a sweaty person and I work really hard in my workouts. And I'd like to think that sweating a lot is a, is a good thing, right? It proves that you're working whatnot. But then, you know, I look around me sometimes and I'm like, none of these women have towels or even having a bead of sweat. And here I am dripping over here, 
Like, am I the abnormal one or are you? Like, I don't know. Like, both is okay, but you know, I'm I'm like, okay, I'm I'm sweating everywhere. Like, but we're we're working out. Like, that it's okay. Yeah, I have to convince myself that it's okay to sweat when you work out. Totally. Because yeah, when other people don't so much, it does make you start to feel like a freak. But what I have noticed, um, because you don't notice as much when you're like at the gym, you're watching people, you don't know how hard they're pushing a lot of the time. You can't really tell, especially if they're like doing weight machines or something. You're like, I don't know what weight they're on. Um, But often you go use them after and you're like 10 pounds on like a leg machine. (laughs) Are you serious? That's like literally nothing. Uh, So sometimes that happens. But also when I used to take like dance classes, that's when you really notice, wow, almost everyone else is putting in like five to 10% effort. They're like minimal, like, uh, like barely moving their hands and feet. I'm like, but you guys still get joy from this when you're like hardly doing anything. So, you know, that I thought, well, maybe I sweat a lot because I'm pushing myself harder than other people do. I, you know, it's, it's not fun unless you're pushing yourself to me generally, oh, you know? Yeah. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm paying for this. I'm putting in my all like this is I'm giving it my all because I owe it to myself. That's what I always think when I step in there. I'm like, okay, we're giving your all Courtney, unless you're like very tired or you just don't feel like it. Just try and do your best. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's just fun. I get, I mean, if people don't get motivation from that, I guess like whatever, that's fine, but don't judge me when I sweat so much. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) There's puddles just all around the other participants (laughs) if you slip and fall and then maybe die from my sweat do not be mad at me not my problem (laughs) (laughs) okay religious or no I respect somebody who is religious I am not religious so I would prefer somebody who is non-religious but if they are, I'd rather them just not force it on me uh, mm-hmm. or, you know, say like, oh, why are you not religious? Maybe there's something, there's a reason why you're not religious or right. happened at church or somebody, you know, your parents made you go to church and you didn't like it anymore. I think there's just an assumption about picking a group to be a part of in religion when you can be religious in your own way. Um, mm-hmm. they're, re- they're religious and working out, you know? Um, yeah but for me I would I would say not religious is what I would look at yeah yeah because I think it's it's like it's good to be open-minded to a degree so but when you're also thinking about who you're going to be with forever you also want to go what is this going to look like Mm -hmm. so if someone tells you that they're religious it's like okay are you going to church And are you going to want me to go? Because even if someone tells you, I go, but you don't have to go. After you guys are together for a while, they might change their tune. (laughs) Are they going to want your kids to go if if you want to have kids? How's that going to go? What are they going to teach your kids about religion? If you hear your kids being taught about religion from your partner, if they go, you know, God did this and you you need to pray or God's going to do something to you. I mean, are you going to be like, are you effing kidding me? Or are you like, no, that's great. That's his, you know what I mean? So that's where you have to like, see, how do you really feel about it? And if your partner starts going, God blessed me with this and blah, blah, blah. Are you going to be rolling your eyes? Because then that's taking some like respect away 
from your connection with them, you know, so is that fair to either of you? You know, so those are questions you have to ask yourself. Yeah. It's different for everybody. I think like that there's a big thing about religion too, where, you know, we always say it is like, we'll consider, you know, small things when you're dating. But I think like when you think about religion, if it's put on their profile in advance or something, like if you know about it in advance, I think that's like the immediately the immediate thought is just like the future, your children, you could not want children and you could still think about, okay, is this person going to make our children be Catholic or Christian or, you know, mm-hmm. something um, that they may not want to be or may not be able to choose for themselves. So for me, I see religion is sometimes very siloed. So you can't even be exploring other religions without feeling like you have to classify yourself as as one and so that's why mm-hmm. I consider myself just very removed from it in many ways um so I mm-hmm. like when I see somebody with a profile that may say they're religious or they specify that they're close with God and that that's important to them to find a woman of God that's immediately when I do swipe left it's just not my vibe and it's I respect people who follow that faith and if it does help them in their lifestyle more power to them. Um, mm-hmm. Not something that I immediately go for. Yeah. And I know like I couldn't like fully connect with you. And also I couldn't fully be myself when I'm watching some show and they're maybe talking about religion. I might want to go like, Oh, look at this bullshit or something. And if I know <laughs> you might be feeling a different way, right. I can't share that thought. And I'm a person who needs, I need to say every single thing. I'm oh, yes. At all. yes, completely. So. <laughs> I get, no, I get that. Like if you, if you're not, cause I would be the same way and like seeing something and feeling like I need to say something about it, but I wouldn't want to be like, guarded and feeling like I have to like mm-hmm. segment what I say based on who I'm around so totally totally we have to go but well I mean I guess it you know whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not you no yeah. not you totally Just- not you but like this person on tv <laughs> <laughs> how about political or no hmm I will say that in the past, I have dated some men who have been more on the politically conservative side, um, but I more am geared toward men who are more moderate or liberal. Um, that's just been my preference in many ways, um, especially like I was sociology, like in my undergrad and college, and I feel like that opened my eyes to many things, reg- many things regarding activism and just what's going on in the world. And so I really, when I look for somebody who talks about politics, I'm looking for somebody who's open to somebody's point of view. I remember when I was first dating one of my ex-boyfriends, um, I, you know, he had told me that he voted for Trump and it, this was like when we had already, you know, established that this was more serious and stuff. And he was like, you know, I was scared to tell you this because I thought you would break up with me. And I was like, you know, that's, I can understand why you would be scared of that fear. But for me, it's like, I want to be open and understanding of what your viewpoint is, as I would want you to be understanding of my viewpoint on things. And maybe that is a disagreement on who you voted for. um, But maybe we, you know, agree on some you know, um, big issues like, you know, being pro-choice versus pro-life. I know that's like 
I was just talking with my mom about that tonight about <laughs> pro-choice versus pro-life and um because we were watching an episode of shrill i was introducing her to the show oh yeah i mean she got an abortion on the show and so spoiler alert um she got, a, <laughs> got an abortion and i was just like oh okay like you know it makes me think about like when you have that relationship and you have to go through something like that if that's you know that's a that's a political difference that some people like have with each other about whether you should be pro-life or pro-choice and so Mm -hmm. I don't know. Politics is such a weird one to navigate because you're just like, ooh, do I display everything I think or do I hold back because I'm scared of what you could think? Or on Hinge, I know you can list if you're uh, moderate, liberal, or conservative. So I find that very interesting. I don't personally put that preference on there. Um, I just think that's a lot to put out there immediately. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. One. (laughs) For sure. Yeah, that's a really, um, it's a tough one because a lot of it does have to do with, you know, your upbringing and things like that. Mm -hmm. But if you were ultimately able to come together, like you said, on the big issues, maybe some of that you could come to an understanding on too. Or if someone could explain to me, why they voted for Trump. I believe that there are people who could explain it in a way that I would understand to a degree. Mm -hmm. I think I would still (laughs) in my heart though, be like, okay, but after we talk for a while, you're going to believe what I believe. Right. Because I can't like, (laughs) this is, I don't know. Like (laughs) I'm kind of that way with, um, like eating meat and stuff too. Like I can maybe initially be okay with you not being vegetarian, yeah. but it can't be like a real relationship unless you hear my thoughts on it and you go, Oh, like, of course I'm going to be vegetarian. Then I go, right. Okay, good. <laughs> if not, I, I can't. Well, that's the thing is like, I feel like there's benefits from education versus ignorance I think you're right and like people are so adapted to the way that they grow up that they only think one way and so Mm -hmm. they're what you know because like I lived in the Midwest for a couple years and that was you know I was this California girl living in the Midwest and I had a professor ask me you know in class Courtney you're from California what is your view on transgender people coming into the restroom of which they feel they belong And, you know, I kind of like sat back and I was like, are you asking me this question because you're under the assumption I think a certain way because I am from California? Uh I was just like, well, what am I supposed to explain to my grandkids? And, you know, I, oh, wow. It was a very like controversial thing for me. But, you know, I was thinking about my time in the Midwest and I reflect on it a lot with like my friends and um, some of my colleagues too. And I'll just say like, you know, people are so used to being in the environment that they grow up in. And I think they learn a lot of their thoughts and their viewpoints from their parents, from the people they're around, the entirety of when they grow up and whatnot. And so I I find it hard for me to hold it against them, what they think. um, And I'd rather find an opportunity to educate them or, you know, come to an understanding of like, hey, this is what I think. Um, but this is like, you know, but this is what I learned when I was growing up, or this is why I am the way I am, or why I've thought this. Um, I think there's plenty of debates that happen where it just stems from where someone was born, where they grew up. I mean, 
Mm-hmm. How you know Midwest values are sometimes more conservative than you know living in Northern California, where maybe my views were a little more you know liberal oriented. And so yeah, you know, I don't know. I just I hate the way sometimes things are categorized because we can have so many thoughts about what we think on certain issues, and they shouldn't be. Oh well, then you think conservative. Oh, okay. Well, you're a liberal. Then you know, right? Because there's so much in between. There's so much more to it. So I feel like I'm like a pretty forgiving person. Mm -hmm. And like I, like I wrote in my online dating book, I don't. I there are deal breakers that I think are important, but I also think. Even if those are there, if you can talk to the person and see how they respond one-on-one, yes, you might feel differently about some of these things. And knowing that some of them can change, because I, as much as we might say it's positive to be open to being with someone who's totally different than you, I think in general, if you want harmony, you got to be like fairly aligned. But maybe if you talk to them you'll see that there's, you know, they might change or you might change or whatever. I think it's like, I think a lot of that is just like openness to hearing what other people think without there being active aggression. And like, I think a lot yeah. about um, my best, one of my best friends from my childhood um, transitioned into a male and um, she was a female when we were first growing up and whatnot. And I remember I was having a phone conversation with him and he was saying, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be mad at people for, you know, uh, like saying the wrong pronouns because I know pronouns are, are, are a very big deal and they're a big deal for him. But he was always like, as long as you're not acting maliciously when, you know, mm-hmm. being aggressive or, you know, questioning me and making me feel inferior, he's like, I'm never going to be mad at you for mis misusing the pronouns, you know, and getting mm-hmm. to that adaptation. So I, I related a lot to that. I don't know. I think about that situation for some reason in particular, cause I'm like, yes, like that, that is where we have general understanding and like kindness in a way is just, mm-hmm. you know, educating people and being like, Hey, this is okay, but maybe don't say it like this, or maybe there's another way to frame it. Or have you tried looking at it this way? It's like just being open and like kind about it. <laughs> it's just the key because I feel like yeah people point out like and are punitive with somebody's thoughts or opinions I feel like they're so targeted and just meh like so aggressive and just like well you shouldn't say that because this isn't that like it's just so aggressive and I'm like whoa maybe they didn't mean it like you you know yeah maybe there was there was no ill will behind that they're just they're just as ignorance I'm trying to think of this book that I had my parents read uh read And I think it's like subtle things that we say that are actually like not things that you should say. It's, it's a Mm -hmm. book and I can't remember the name of it right now, but it's really good. And I remember there was a situation that um, happened um, and I was like, Oh, this is like a really good book for like my parents and like maybe some of my family members to read because sometimes we're unconsciously saying things that are actually very offensive, but that they don't think Mm -hmm. is offensive to that person, that culture, their race, anything. So I don't know. Let's spread the love, right? Like approach with kindness. That's just like my thing with politics, especially. Yeah. And the intention is, is everything. And 
And I think we also have to give people time for like a time to adjust. I can't remember who it was who talked about um, someone in their life coming out as, I can't remember if they were gay or trans, but they talked about how it really was kind of hard initially. You don't immediately shift to like, um, this was the person that I knew as my sister. Mm-hmm. Now they're my brother. You don't immediately go, great. You're my brother. Fantastic. Right. Like you need a freaking moment. <laughs> it doesn't mean you don't support them. Right. It just means that's, that's a lot, you know, yeah. it's a lot. Pivotal moment. It takes time. It takes adaptation. It's, it's routine. It's like, you're so used to something that you know, and you have to change up your routine and adjust to that. And it takes, you know, routine takes what I think like the research band is like at least 21 days for something to become routine. Yeah. And then I've heard others that say, oh, now it's 67. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I mean, it can be really tough. And it's like, And the routine comes in when you are starting to accept, okay, I have to call this person this other name. But even before then, like truly accepting that change is like another barrier. And it's hard to say even why it's difficult. But I know when I was maybe 16, um, I had a friend transition from female to male Mm -hmm. and they were very cool about it. Like if you want to call me by my new name or my nickname, because they always had a nickname, Mm -hmm. um, they're like, you can do either one. So then I started calling them by the nickname because the new name just, it it felt hard to do. Mm -hmm. I also had another really close friend with the same name. So (laughs) that's kind of like, I justified like, oh, well, it would be confusing. But I think honestly, it was just, I have known you for years as a woman by this other name. It's hard for me to now go back and tell all of our stories Mm -hmm. from like my male friend. It's just like, cause that's not how I lived it. And that's not how I knew you. So it's just like, it sounds totally dumb and selfish to be like, well, this isn't about you or your feelings, but those, those things are there. Right. You know, but it doesn't mean I don't support them. I mean, I'd been, um, interested in transgender issues like for years I don't even know why I just like always watched tv shows about it there were yeah multiple different like reality shows and I just thought it was really interesting and um was a big advocate for it so it definitely wasn't like lack of support or anything but it it hit me in a way like I didn't expect just being like huh how do I what <laughs> you know it's so interesting too it's like i i think there's a lot of power and constantly having to de- de- defend your identity and that can be for not mm-hmm. transgender issues in general but anything you classify yourself as it's it's constantly a battle and i think it's a battle that people have to fight every day no matter where we are in society like i think some people believe hey we may be getting better with you know equality and just you know, social justice and activism in general. But I think like, there's still like, when you have to question, or when you have to like, constantly defend like who you are, and like what you believe in, um, there's power in that. But there's also like exhaustion in that um, constantly having to think about that. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think there's privilege and, you know, not worrying that I may be stopped in like, 
you know, the locker room with the agenda that I identify with because I'm passing. And, um, you know, I think it takes people recognizing that to understand that like, we, that's how you become an advocate, um, for, you know, transgender people who may be going through issues like that, where they have to worry. And it's just, it sucks. It sucks that that's the way it is. And it's so hard for us to even like wrap our minds around without, going through it is just impossible. Like this is weird, like a weird comparison, but I was just thinking about this earlier today. So it's popping into my head, but I used to work at a methadone clinic and I would tell clients, you know, maybe go to a 12 step meeting Mm -hmm. if they were thinking about giving up drinking or they needed more support or whatever. And then I took a class Mm -hmm. where they made us attend a 12 step meeting. And I was like, oh my God, I was like terrified. And I was like, how and what, and what do I say? And what is going to happen in there? And what, like, and I just realized how absolutely terrifying that was for my clients. Cause even when I thought, well, yeah, it'll be uncomfortable. Or he's probably not crazy about the idea of going. I didn't feel it in any real way. It was very theoretical and did not seem that bad. it's It's almost like there's a crime in saying that you understand when you don't actually understand, you know what I mean? Like, because like you said, like you, you hadn't been through that yourself. And so it's like, it's easy. It, like words are just so easy to say. Right. So it's mm-hmm. like, Oh, I understand. I understand what's going on. You just need to do this, this and that. And it's like, wow, I'm actually maybe doing more harm by saying I understand and can say that, yeah. like, I'm understanding of what, what they're going through right now mm-hmm. and being in their shoes. So Yes, I much prefer to say, I cannot possibly understand what you're going through. Because no. <laughs> I find like, even if you've been through it, you probably still don't quite understand. Like, because I notice this when someone, someone dies, someone will post, you know, my mom died or something. And people will comment, my mom died, or my brother died, or whatever it is. And it's like, but your relationship with your person is different from their relationship with their person. It's with, it's with grieving too. I mean, I think honestly, people are just like, oh, you know, he died like eight months ago. How is she not over this? Or, you know, Mm -hmm. I took a class on death and dying in college and it was honestly one of my favorite class. And I like morbid things like that and looking into the details and nitty gritty. I just find it very fascinating. And, you know, I discovered a lot and just learning about grieving processes, not only for myself, but for a lot of my family members and friends, because, you know, I can, it's, it's like what you said, I can't possibly understand because that's your bond with that person. And I'm not going to sit here and compare it to me losing, you know, my sibling or, you know, my cousin or something like that. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's almost disgenuine in a way being, yeah. Oh, I get like, I get what you're going through. I lost this person. It's like, Oh no, you're like counteracting the way they feel like maybe that's not helpful for them. And it, yeah, and it's like what I said, like it could not be any ill will intended, but that's just totally feel like they're helping that person. So, yes, absolutely. And there are a few things that make you feel better when you're grieving anyway. So I generally think less is more. If you're talking to someone who's grieving, just say, I'm sorry. Uh, You know, I hope you're doing okay. Or (laughs) yeah, just (laughs) a little thing and bye bye. I read a book about a year ago about sibling death. Mm. It, 
It was written by the sister of the Bubble Boy, which, yeah, I didn't even really know about that story aside from like that Jake Gyllenhaal movie that I didn't even see, but I'm familiar with the concept. And I think they mentioned the Bubble Boy on like an episode of Seinfeld or something. So I only knew it as like a reference, you know, but reading about it, it's really horrible. It's, you know, this this teen who will get sick from like literally anything. He can't breathe normal air at all. So he lives in a hospital and his sister goes into detail about what it was like for her. And God, it's, it's heartbreaking because it's basically like her parents decided that her brother's life was too hard so they kind of like stopped treatment. They basically like, you know, chose to let him die without telling her they were going to do that. They did that while she was like on a field trip mm-hmm. and they didn't tell him they were going to do it either. So there's this just like terrible description of his reaction to it and his wanting to be saved as he was, um, I think, uh, unable to breathe. And it was just like, oh, my God. Um, And then she writes about how nobody cared about her grief. People would always just say, gosh, this must be really hard for your parents. Right. And and don't uh, don't make this harder for your parents. You know, be a good girl like that sort of stuff, too. And she just said it was so devastating that people just don't take your grief seriously as a sibling, even though it's one of the worst things that could happen to you. And then she interviews other people who've lost their siblings and she goes to um, like a convention for people who've lost their twins. And she talks about how there's a hierarchy there. Like she meets the, the head of it. And he says, if it's an identical twin, it's a greater loss. And she really didn't agree with that. But I was like, you know what? you don't have an identical twin. You don't friggin' know. You know what I mean? You have no concept of what that's like. So, um, cause, cause they give descriptions where people say like they had a similar feeling, like when their sibling died, like they knew, Mm -hmm. um, or they felt pain in the area that caused the death or whatever. It was just like, there really is a connection between these other like twins that is generally not there for other people. Maybe some other people have that, mm-hmm. but it was just so interesting to read about the, the grieving of people and how, and how other people kind of fail you when they try to comfort you sometimes. Yeah. Wow. That's an interesting perspective. I had never heard about that. Like her having written about that at all from her perspective. And it's like, that's a really good perspective for to write from because we never hear it from that side at all. I feel. Absolutely. Yeah. I've never thought about it before ever. And I'm positive. I have been guilty of that before. Mm-hmm. Same. So I was like, Oh God, <laughs> but other, other grief, sometimes grief is just um, funny too, or moments in like um, I had a client once tell me that, his grandmother died and he was really concerned about telling his children, especially his youngest child. And he went to tell him, he said, 
hey, bud, you know, you know, your great grandma, you know, we would always go visit her and every weekend and um, she passed away and his son was like, so we're not going to go to her house anymore. And he's like, no. And his son went, yes. That really, that really drives it home and, and turns the room around. I really like, yeah. I feel like I'm somebody who can appreciate that. And I know like that can be sometimes not great in a sensitive moment, but like, I think a lot of people cope with humor. Yeah. I really think it helps many situations. And I think, you know, I think a lot of people say like, oh, well, let's think about the good memories with, you know, mm-hmm. her or him, if we lost, you know, like not about what they look like now or, you know, how they died in many ways. And I think there's, I think there's validity, honestly, honestly, with like finding the humor and the funny moments of the situation. Absolutely. And, and, you know, some people think if you're laughing about it, then you're not really dealing with it or you're trying to Mm -hmm. escape the pain, but that's not always true. Sometimes that's just how you are directly addressing the pain. Sometimes it's a way of saying, oh my God, this hurts so bad. And then making some joke that really captures the pain. And it, I mean, I don't know, it doesn't take away from the pain maybe for a moment but you're probably sobbing again the next minute and then joking again the next minute and I don't know I feel like that's that's a good way to do it because sometimes life just sucks and it's just bullshit and people die who shouldn't and it's tragic and we have to do something to get through it because you can't change it you know it'll take a short time to get better a long time to get better like it's just just dependent on how you grieve like every form of grief is different for every single person Mm -hmm. yeah and I remember seeing a tv show I think it was what not to wear where a woman's I know I love what not to wear Uh, a woman's husband died and she couldn't get rid of his clothes she just could not let go And I think they ended up framing a few of his shirts for her and then getting rid of the rest. Mm. And part of me definitely sees validity and holding on to the person and their things forever and not wanting to let go. But I also think, I guess it depends on your intention for doing that and how much it's really affecting you too. Like, are you completely unable to move on? And is your intention in holding on to these things? Is it that you feel guilty letting them go? Or you feel like you're for, uh, forgetting the person or betraying the person or something mm-hmm. like that? Cause that's just, I think that's a common thing that really holds people back. Some people don't want to forget the grief of the loss. Some people won't let themselves stop thinking about the person every day because they think that it's, you know, unfair to the person who died, but it's not you, you're alive. You have to live They're They're not here, but you're, you're never going to forget them. It's just not possible. It's not going to happen. But if you can go a day without thinking about it, you know what, that's, that can only be positive. You're going to think about them the next day, or, you know, too, if it's not negatively impacting your life, I think there's mm-hmm. value. Like, I don't know. I think a lot of people would agree. Like 
sometimes like that person's on your mind every day, no matter what, a, no matter mm-hmm. a good day, a bad day. Um, but I think like if it's not harming your life or altering like your routine or your normal behavior, then I say, you know, do what you feel is most comfortable. That means keeping all, yeah. you know, your spouse's clothes and, you know, things that are sentimental, then I think that's totally appropriate. Yeah, I think if you're able to cope with those emotions, mm-hmm. if they come up that frequently, and you can hopefully see the positive in it, I think once you get to a point where you can look at their picture, and instead of crying, you think about how much you loved them, or those good memories, or or even that you miss them, you can get emotional. But if it's not tearing you apart you know like taking you away from your everyday like routine in many ways that's what I think is like if it's not hindering your ability to you know get in your car and drive to work and have a productive day in you know your eight hour day then I don't Mm -hmm. maybe that's not that's not bothersome for you you know Mm mm-hmm and I like the way some people can turn their grief into something positive too. Um, so in the in the Bubble Boy book, she says that she now like runs marathons in his honor and stuff and has, um, I think, his photo on a shirt and she might be raising money for the illness he had, um, I think. But that seemed to be really positive for her mm-hmm. or it was a way for her to feel still connected to him and like he was still remembered by the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and similarly, there's a comedy writer who died, Harris Whittles, who is like one of my favorite people in the world, just had like the best personality ever. And his sister like started a podcast network where she has um, a podcast about addiction because he died from a heroin overdose. And she just talks to people about that and learns about other people who've lost family members, lets them tell their stories and it seems like it's just been a really positive way for her to like still have him in mind. She knows she's going to have him on her mind every freaking day. So it's like, let's do this in a productive way. Yeah. You know, it's not just crippling. Oh yeah. Completely. Okay. Dating. (laughs) I'm from death, dying, grieving, dating. Oh my god. Okay. I I am gonna write another book. I hope you'll be my co-author. It's gonna be called Death Dying and Dating. Absolutely. I'm 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 here for it. It's all about meeting the love of your yes. life at a grief group or a funeral that you crash. Either one. I love that. All right. I am gonna ask you some more dating preferences. All right. Do you do you want the guy to be? easygoing or assertive easygoing um the reason why I say that is because I think I am a mostly assertive person in general but also like in my workplace and so I'm kind of like always the leader and the and the person in charge and just like managing shit hitting the fan essentially and so I really like somebody who kind of balances that out and can have that like easygoing mellowness that kind of brings me down to earth in a way not saying that assertiveness is bad at all I I like that side of me in many ways but I think there's some like comfort in having somebody who's like hey everything's gonna be okay like it's all gonna work out like 
but we'll come up with a plan. We're going to stay positive. Like just having a very like relaxed kind of outlook, but also like not relaxed to the point of like lazy uh, mm-hmm. or unmotivated or not passionate in many ways. So I would say easygoing. Yeah. Okay. I like that. How about confident or shy? I would say confident. Um, I've dated a few shy guys. And like I said, I do like quiet and reserved guys for the most part. But if I'm like constantly pulling out of you, like all the time and feel like I'm the one who's like interrupting or like talking so much, it's just not going to vibe well. I remember I broke up with one of my ex-boyfriends because I had said like, you know, I was like, look, the conversation, just like when we talk, like, I I really want to hear about you and like your passions and your interests and what's going on in your, the shit going on in your life, essentially. Right. And, you know, I thought he would make an effort to be kind of break out of his shell in a way, but the shyness just, just wasn't vibing for me. And I feel like I am naturally oriented to guys that are a little more quiet and reserved, but I think there's a difference between quiet and shy. Uh, Mm-hmm. Um, I like confidence. I just feel like confidence is attractive. Yeah. So this guy who was shy, it was like, even with you, like he couldn't open up just with you. Yeah. And it's very interesting because I feel like sexually he was very forward, like the intimacy, very forward. Um, just always made the first moves was very just open um, in that sense, maybe physically, but just very shy, like would wow about things. And it was very bizarre to me. I even said that at one point, I was like, you are very confident it physically and sexually and just with intimacy. So it's very strange to me that like, you can't be more open with how you're feeling or what is going on in your life. And so ultimately it ended because there just wasn't that I need to connect with somebody's brain (laughs) in order. You know, I feel, I don't know. I think there's, we could, as women, I feel like if, if we really wanted to bang, we could go out there and get it right. Like I, like sometimes I think about that, but it's like, no, I want to bang with your brain. Like I want (laughs) with your brain. Like it's just, and I need that intellectual level there and I need you to be open and vulnerable and, be sharing about your feelings. And so, yeah, confidence, confidence is attractive. It's sexy. Yeah. Yeah. I always felt like confidence in being who you are is what I'm looking for. I feel like so often when guys, especially talk about being confident, they mean cocky or something or full of themselves. And it's like, no, that's not confidence. Confidence is being able to tell me whatever is true for you and just being comfortable with that. So even if that is to say, I'm shy or I'm not comfortable here, I need you to be able to say that. And you can still be confident and shy, but when you're hiding who you are, hiding details about your past, that's a whole other thing or ashamed, you know, cause they, they do talk about how shame is a really toxic, uh, personality trait. Kind of, if you have a lot of shame, you're probably your whole self is a little blocked. And 
it's going to be hard to really have a good relationship with you. You know, you probably get a lot of anger and it's almost like confidence means like comfort, like when I look at it as a perspective of like a man, it's like comfortability in your own skin, but like Mm -hmm. not being a douchebag at the same time. Like that's how I see it. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And you know what? I think um, something you said earlier actually shows a lot of confidence in the way that you said, like, I'm a plus size woman. I know that I love my body. I like to do stuff. Like, I think that's a big part of it. If you're insecure, you can say you're insecure. Or if you feel like you have some flaw, you can bring it up. But it doesn't have to be like, I'm sad about this. No, you're confident. You go, well, yeah, I'm not crazy about this thing. But it's who I am. I'm still gonna present it. I'm not gonna, I'm not trying to hide anything. Well, sure. I mean, we I mean, we live in a world where it's constantly and like this just goes back to shrill. I've been like rewatching it and everything. I love AD <laughs> Bryant. Like I just think she's a positive role model. She's funny as heck and she's a plus size woman in society. And I think constantly mm-hmm. we're being told that like something is wrong with our bot our body, maybe not directly, but indirectly for the most part, being like mm-hmm. we have to fix something. And I think when you, you know, you say things with knowing who you are and it comes, and it comes with knowing your identity and knowing what you're accepting of, of on your body and whatnot, and just anything in general. But I think it just comes like, it comes back to like living in a place where maybe like, okay, that's not like, you're pretty, but for a fat girl or like, you know, you're pretty, but for a plus size woman, it's like, okay, like you're telling me that I'm pretty for a plus size woman and it's like a backhanded compliment that nobody realizes that they say so I don't know like I love my body like I work out every day and I do it like to decrease my stress like I don't do it with the goal of like you know getting to an ideal body type like sure I'd love to lose a couple pounds off my stomach but in the end like I'm not on this journey to become the norm of something so Mhm. Again, that's just a perfect description of confidence. You're like, yeah, I'd like to lose some weight, but I'm not worried about it. Like that's that's exactly it. You you don't care. You can see something that you're not crazy about because anytime someone claims that they feel absolutely great about themselves, that's not confidence. That's you being too insecure to be honest about your insecurities, exactly. you know. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, not attractive not attractive. (laughs) Okay. And then this is the last one for your preferences. Do you want a guy to be masculine or more like neutral? Like, do you like a guy who's outwardly like manly? Hmm. I generally go towards more of a masculine guy. Um, It's hard because when I think about like the word masculine, I I think it's like geared kind of towards this like burly, like lumberjack man who has to provide for his family. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like this like picture, like cartoon in my head in a way. Yeah. So it's very hard for me to like understand what what that would mean for me and like my preferences. I, you know, I really like somebody who is very neutral in many dating situations and like 
you know, I, I can appreciate a guy that will open like a door for me or something. Um, but when it comes to, you know, buying dinner there, like there have been many first dates where I've been like, you know, we can split it. Like there's not an expectation for you to pay just because this is a date and you are the man who asked me out on this date. Like, I don't want it to be like that. And I think it should be like a balance. And especially like in the early stages of a relationship when you're still like kind of, kind of trying to get to know like the vibe of a person is like, no, like you paid for dinner last time. Like I'll pay for dinner this time. Like it's, I think there's many situations that should be neutral, but in masculinity, I think like there was this expectation in in society for a guy to be very masculine. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with ma- with full masculinity because then it just makes you feel bad as a male for being vulnerable when that's something that, you know, many women crave in dating situations. So that one's a tough one for me. <laughs> I don't know yeah. which I prefer or not because I don't know. I know as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, I think what it is, is maybe like sincerity so if someone is a little more masculine, as long as that's truly who they are, I think that can be attractive. But if it's clear that you're like trying to like have this role of like a dude, yeah. I can't. Just like, um, I, I, again, just like sincerity, because like you were talking about splitting the check. I want someone who offers to pay because I am someone who offers to pay. So I want to be with someone else who's generous, yes. not because you're trying to be the man pays, Absolutely. but because you're generous. It's you a know? kind thing to do. It's a caring quality yeah. trait. Like, you know, I get that completely. Sincerity. Yes, yeah. I agree with that. Nice. We got it. Four. <laughs> Okay, and then I'm going to do, this will be our last thing, okay? You love fitness. I do. So I've created a little quiz. I did not ask you if you like do a lot of different fitness things, but that's what this is all based on. So I hope that you do. (laughs) And this is meant to be extremely judgmental, so don't feel bad. I just thought it'd be funny to make it really hard. So (laughs) you're going to tell me if you've done this activity or not. So, and for anyone listening, you can play along too. give yourself one point for each thing you've done. Okay. Pilates. No, I have not. Okay. (laughs) CrossFit. No, I have not. I really want to try it, though. Okay. All right. I did. Um, I took a hot Pilates class. First of all, to go back to Pilates. I only took one hot Pilates. It was terrible. Pilates is so hard. <laughs> like, where's cold Pilates at? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> It was way too hard. It's all like core and I don't have that strength. And so when you don't have core strength, they keep trying to make you like balance and then it all ends up on your back and it just hurts, (laughs) you know? So I wouldn't recommend that. CrossFit, I did 
twice, I think. And it was really, really fun. It was so hard. Like there was a lady who was concerned for my safety because I was so tired and so sweaty. She was like, we had to do like 50 burpees or something at the end of the workout. And so she was over there talking to me the entire time. How many do you have left now? How many do you have now? And she was just some lady that was there. She wasn't like the instructor or anything. And it was so frustrating. And I wanted to say, leave me the fuck alone. But I'm, you know, too nice. So I was just like responding (laughs) 16 or whatever. Um, And then I realized later, when I got certified to be a group fitness instructor, and then I mean, never did that, you know, (laughs) But um, I found out there that they talk about like, if someone seems tired, maybe talk to them, like those sorts of things. So I realized that's what she was doing. And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just working hard. Got it. (laughs) But it was really fun. It was just uh, really expensive. It's, you know, $200 a month, something insane. Yeah. It's like, no. But yeah, but you should try it. I think you would like it. For free in the living room. (laughs) That's true. That's so true. You're like, I can do all of this stuff without you telling me to do it. They even have the, you know, workout of the day. You can see yeah. those online. You know, and it's like I need person. somebody screaming in my face, though. That's like, I, I like motivators. I'm serious. Like, I, I can't motivate myself in a relaxing apartment space that I call my home where I come and veg out. And you're going to tell me to do 50 burpees in my living room? Like, no, thank you. Yeah, that's so true. Home workouts are so much harder to do than at the gym, especially when someone's looking at you and you know they're like judging you. You're like, I have to give this my all. (laughs) Zumba. Yes, I have done Zumba. Hey, nice. Can't say I'm very coordinated, um, but I try. I try. (laughs) Zumba is my favorite, and it took me time. I never liked any sort of dancing until Zumba because I think I wasn't comfortable being like free, but also I'm not a good dancer. Like I'm not like a freestyle dancer, but that there's like choreographed moves that help. But I was terrible at first. I really had to, had to get used to moving my body in a particular way. It was a big, big learning curve. I feel like. The biggest thing too is like, I would like Zumba if there wasn't me having to look at myself in the mirror dancing because I know I'm not a good dancer and I understand I need it, you know, to follow the choreography and whatnot. But I was like, wow, I think I'd be doing a lot better if I wasn't looking at myself. <laughs> trying <to> yeah. <laughs> there are times when looking in the mirror, I find really helpful when I'm exercising where it really like helps with my determination. And there's other times where I just want to die because of it. So it like really... it can really mess you up but I did notice um because I used to take Zumba classes like twice a day and I noticed at one point that I feel worse seeing myself from the back of the room because when you're in the back of the room you kind of look like shit in the mirror but when you're right up close to it you're like oh yeah this is what I look like so then it's kind of fine it's what you're used to seeing in the mirror you know so even if you're not doing a great job like I don't know. It feels easier to control mm-hmm. your movement when oh, you're yeah. that close to yoga. Yoga. Yes. Yeah. Done yoga. 
Hot yoga. I have not done hot yoga. I feel like that is just a thing that I will pass out in because I do not like being <laughs> hot. And I know I say that living in the desert where it does get to like 110 degrees, but. Oh, yeah. Are you in Arizona? Yes. Oh, my gosh. No. No. <laughs> no. Uh, I have done hot yoga a few times. I thought it would be way too hot because the way people talk about it is like, holy, but I was like, this is as hot as it gets. I said, is there an AC Like, what is this? I'm like, um, I used to have like a car, a 92 Saturn with no AC, like in the summer in California. Like I am good. Character building moments that led you to that hot yoga moment. I'm telling you. And I have to tell you, hot yoga is way better than regular yoga to me because your body is immediately warm. So the exercise is enjoyable. Whereas I feel like normal yoga is, I don't want to say it's easy, but you're not getting your heart rate up. So it's not fun. It's hard. Yeah. You're like, hold this pose cold for 30 seconds. Like, I don't want to. Spin. Have you ever taken a spin class? Yes. Spin is my favorite, actually. Really? Uh, I love cycling as a form of cardio. I think <gasps> I'm a cardi no person. So like I cardio. <laughs> and so if I can do it in different forms of things, then I'd much prefer it that way. So wait, what exercise do you usually prefer? So I go to this fitness studio called Spanga and it's a weird name, but it's spin, strength, and yoga. Um, so it's 60 minute class and it's 20 minute portions of each. So you'll start with the spin section, do a bunch there and it's led by an instructor. And then the instructor leads the strength portion and the strength changes every day um, based on like the number of times you do something or just the exercises change. And then you end with 20 minutes of yoga. So zens the out by the time you leave um yeah and i really like it i just hit my 100th session yesterday um, morning, actually sorry it feels like this morning was so long ago. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, well that's awesome a lot of my favorite things and it it's variety every day which i love because i hate stagnant workouts where it's just like the same thing all the time it's so unmotivating and so this one just adds a little variety to it and I really enjoy it yeah that's awesome so what kind of strength stuff do they do like what was today so today was called turbulence so they're like themed basically it'll be like seven rounds of um, different forms of exercise so they'll focus on specific areas so I think like today was like back and arms specifically and then like a 30 seconds like there's seven rounds so it's like 30 seconds of each seven rounds is like a cardio burnout section so it can be a bunch of burpees um it can be like high knees seal jacks like any like burnout cardio you can think of but it's mostly just uh, lately we've been doing a lot of like chest flies and um, a lot of squats and a lot of burpees. There's a lot of, I think there's burpees like every single class, no matter what they're all, like, we're going to throw in what you love. And I'm like, is it burpees? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, no. <laughs> do you guys do the 
kind with the push-up involved. Yes. Um, and they offer like modifications based on like what you feel comfortable doing. That's really why I like the studio a lot actually is because every type of person can go in there and take a class and you can do any type of modification to challenge yourself or if you're feeling tired or weak, um, using less weight or more weight. Um, so it's, it's very mm-hmm. nice that way. It's very inclusive and just all around good. So, but those are like most of the strength things. It's like a lot of squats. Like my, my right butt cheek is definitely a little sore. <laughs> I don't know why the right one, but yeah, putting it all on the right. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really fun though. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Good combo. Yeah. Bar, I think is how that's pronounced. B-A-R-R-E. Mm. I don't even know what it is, honestly. I've never done it. Have you ever done a class? I have not tried it. I have heard of it. I've heard of it, but I've never tried it. I know. I don't even. I can't even think. Is it like ballet? Like, what even is it? (laughs) From what what I'm thinking, and I may be wrong, it's like really controlled muscle movements. So I think it's all body Mm. work with maybe a little bit of weights, but just very controlled. So. Oh, interesting. That was the guess. I work at fitness facilities and I don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, wait, what is your job? I work in campus recreation. So I'm in charge of like member services, operations of like our fitness facilities for college students, essentially. So we have two main ones on campus at the University of Arizona. And so I essentially run like frontline operations there. So sales, student staffing, management, all that jazz. And so we have like fitness classes in the facility and like, you know, outdoor rentals, aquatics, we have a pool and all this stuff. So you think I would know more about the fitness classes, but I definitely don't think we have bar. So that's probably why I don't know a lot about it. (laughs) Yeah. You got to get it in there. (laughs) I'm just it now. <laughs> They're like, oh, what's that? You're like, I don't know. I'm, I'm like, oh well, no, I heard it from you know my cousin here, and she told me what we should do, but I don't know anything about it. She doesn't know anything about it, but we're just gonna go with it. <laughs> Can I try some new stuff? <laughs> have you ever done a trampoline class? You know, I have not, but my mom does have a small trampoline that we used to have in the house when I was younger. So I know she likes those trampoline workouts that you do like in your living room. Um, And I used to just jump on it for fun because I was a kid and it's a trampoline, you know? So uh, I've never tried one, but I've seen videos that kind of like are memes that like make fun of it in a way. And they like put horses in there and (laughs) pretend that they're riding them. So, oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. That sounds awesome. I did one that was just like, I did it at home and I did not have a trampoline. So it was just bouncing on the ground. So then my calves were like killing me, but I thought maybe this would be more fun on a trampoline. But what I hated about it is cause like I'm used to Zumba. So you're dancing to the music and it helps you get into the workout, yeah. but they had music in this trampoline class but it didn't go with the movements at all. So I was like, what are we even doing? Make it choreographed to the movements and suddenly I'm interested. 
But without that, no, I can't do it. It's too hard. Yeah. You need to give me some motivation <laughs> for this. It's too hard. I love that. <laughs> How about a boot camp class? Ooh. I don't think I've done a boot camp class. No, but I'd love to try one. Yeah, I think boot camp, when I think of boot camp, it feels like it'll be a lot of variety of movements and yeah. different things that you'd be doing. So I'd definitely be open to that. Yeah, yeah just not too many push-ups. Let's chill out yeah, on the push-ups. Push yeah, not too many. <laughs> kickboxing? Mm. Yes, I've done kickboxing. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like it a lot. I like using your lower. I feel like people don't often get to like throw their limbs places because you're doing such controlled movements with weights all the time. So I think mm -hmm. kickboxing adds like a, a different sort of level there. So yeah, true. I like it. Gets out some yeah. too. Why not? Yeah. I know. I took one kickboxing class and it was okay. Mm -hmm. But I really want to take the ones that they always have in like TV shows and stuff where you get to kick a bag. Ooh. I want a bag involved. <laughs> it was just me kicking the air. Yeah, what the like, heck? I didn't pay to kick some air. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, a Tough Mudder or is it a Mud Run? Is that what the other one's called? I don't yeah. know. Ever done no, one I haven't done those. Those look too brutal noodle. I mean, I've done a lot of runs, yeah. but the Tough Mudder sounds very tough. So, I, you know, I don't know if I'd be able to, like, handle it or, like, keep up in a way. So, yeah, so I would be completely embarrassed, I think, the whole yeah. time. And I think the Tough Mudder, I think, is the one that's, like, half, uh, half marathon distance, oh. but you're doing all these obstacles mm -hmm. also and one of them is like you're being electrocuted by things it's like or yeah. shocked or whatever I'm like uh yikes there's another one where you jump into like freezing cold water like an ice bath thing there, so there's there like, be a hefty liability waiver these people are signing <laughs> it sounds like that really so, traumatic like San Diego haunted house that where they get to do whatever they want to you I'm like is that what an actual tough mudder is? It's just an actual haunted house where they can just do whatever they want. <laughs> can you imagine? Why don't they make a haunted one? That would be incredible. Oh my gosh. <laughs> They're like, this one, we bite your legs. Like literally we have oh zombies biting your legs. <laughs> you may get an infection, sign the yeah, waiver. But it's not <laughs> Yeah, no, it's not your fault. I love when they have you sign the waiver before an accident's happened. It makes no sense. It's like, how do I know it's not going to be your fault? I don't want to have to sign away. That's not your fault. They're like, run somewhere else, ma'am. Like, right, totally. <laughs> Rock climbing. Ooh, so I am very scared of heights. Uh, mm. I remember one time my mom took me to like this this like Easter festival or something within our community. And there was a rock wall. And I think my mom was just like, do it. Like, it'll be a lot of fun. And I was like, I don't want to do it because it's scary. <laughs> I don't like being that high up. And so I ended up on the wall and I was, you know, like part, partly up there, I would say about a quarter of the length of the wall. And 
I was like, Mm-mm, uh, nope, I can't not do this. No, thank you. So I have rock climbed if that counts, but I do not prefer it as a mode of like exercise or fun for me. <laughs> See, and you know, this is rarely talked about. People always talk about peer pressure. They rarely talk about mom pressure. Mm. It's more intense, yeah, okay? It is more intense. I'm like, I have a mom, mom to make happy here. And like, she wants me to see me touch this bell at the top of the wall. And then it's like, she's still going to love me. Who knows? <laughs> we don't know. I have to do this. My mother's love is on the line. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about the rock climbing either. I always just see people climb the rock walls on like dating shows. And then they always show how weird their butt looks in the harness. And I just think, Oh, I don't want that situation at all. (laughs) I never thought about that. That's all I think about. (laughs) I just see them go on that date and I'm like, "Mm -mm, not for me. I'm like, we're not going on that first date. If that is the first date. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. I think that all the time on these shows, like on The Bachelor, they're always like, we're going in a helicopter. I'm like, so are they sending me home right now? Because there's no freaking way. <laughs> then they're filming the reaction of like him telling her, oh, we're going to go on a helicopter ride. And what if, she, you know, what if she's like terrified of heights, but she's like, oh yeah, this is a lot of fun. Like you're super great, Matt. Let's go have a fun time. It's like, you have to be down for whatever on these shows or they're going to kick you off you have to be down for sometimes they have them like race around in a race car like nascar sort of thing or something it's like no are you insane yeah putting your life on the line for this male that you've known for a couple weeks yeah no No. bungee jumping never never absolutely not (laughs) no P90X. Ooh, no, I have not tried that. I've heard a lot about it, though. It's, I feel like it was, like, fairly fun. I thought it was kind of weird that people were like, it's so hard. It didn't, it seemed like there was, like, one exercise I, like, just couldn't do. Um, Because, like I said, I think it was an ab thing where it's like, my body doesn't do this. I can't, whatever you're doing. But everything else was just kind of fun. And, I mean, it's high energy, but... uh, I'm pretty fun stuff. Running five miles. Five miles doesn't sound so terrible. Um, <laughs> it sounds bad. <laughs> I'm not a big cardio person. I used to run a lot. Yeah. And I just, I really just got tired of it over time. Cause I was like, Oh, there's so many other ways to get your cardio in. Like, to, you know, to exercise yeah. and, you know, have, you know, I don't know, a good heart rate in many ways. And um, so I liked the, like the color runs and mm-hmm. I did a half marathon. I experienced that and was okay. had an experience. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I would love to like, just go out and run five miles. Like, I think I could go out and run maybe like two miles, but I'm also not like the fastest runner ever, but I think I can stay like pretty consistent. Like I can keep running for a long distance, but I'm not going to run fast by any means. Okay. But you have run five miles yeah. and even the next one is run 10 miles. You've done that yeah. too. Yeah. Cause you've done a half. Wow. That's incredible. Wow, it was shocking. I barely like trained at all for it. And I remember cause me and my mom had made like a pack to like finish a half marathon, like just do it 
together, like not run together, but like complete it together. Yeah. I had not been training because like I had been away at college doing college things or whatever. So I uh-huh. to run like, like every other day or whatever. And so I went in and I did it. And I think like the adrenaline kind of got me through it and was just like, you can do this. You haven't trained at all for this, but you're excited about it. So, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> You know, there's that comedian, Eddie Izzard, who ran a bunch of marathons. It was like, it was some insane number. I want to say it was at least like 50 in a year, but it may have been even more than that. And he said that he didn't train at all. And it's like, and I know I'm I am misgendering Eddie Izzard right now because I know that he recently said he's a they or a she and maybe even going by a different name, but I don't remember. So I'm just gonna I don't know. I don't remember. All right. Be cool, forgive me. I would say it if I remembered. I don't. Um okay. Uh, so this is your fitness quotient. I've decided it's your fitness intelligence. Okay. And so these are, again, going to be fairly insulting. So if your score is 12 to 15, you have a fitness PhD. If your score is nine to 11, you have a fitness BA, which could also mean you're a fitness badass. All right. Goes both ways. Yeah. Five to eight, which is where you are, you have a six. So five to eight, you have your six-week fitness certificate. Hell yeah. All right. Not bad, really. Zero to four, your fitness school lost its accreditation. What are you even thinking if you're that low? Come on. (laughs) Get it together. (laughs) Oh, I love that. All right. So that is it for us today, Courtney. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's so nice to see you. Yeah. I feel like I haven't seen you oh, God. in probably like at least five yeah. years. I don't even I know. I Valerie, I can't even tell you the last time like I was in California, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. You've been, you got your bachelor's, you got your master's. I don't know if I've seen you since you were in high school. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> don't recall. I know that last time I saw you, you were talking about running though. You were very into mm-hmm. running. So whatever year that was, that is when I saw you. <laughs> You're like, I don't know her. <laughs> She's someone else. <laughs> I had the same thing at some point loved running and then you go other stuff is more fun why am I doing this (laughs) so thank you very much for coming on hopefully some year I'll see you at Christmas or some some shit I don't know things are like allowed again and stuff (laughs) maybe 2022 (laughs) we'll see see what happens (laughs) All right. Bye.